Hello and welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. I'm Mark Unger, the pastor here at Celebration Church. Glad that you have joined with us. We are in the book of First Kings. We are in the middle of the story about Elijah. Give you a little background. We're in chapter 19. Um, Elijah had just had this incredible experience on Mount Carmel where he had the big showdown with the prophets of Baal and God answers dramatically by fire and uh, and then uh, Elijah speaks and the rain comes back after three years, three and a half years, however long it was. And how, how the Spirit of God hit him and he outran Ahab, the king, who had a chariot all the way back home. And Ahab had a head start. I mean, this guy must have been just going like crazy. So after this incredible, you know, experience of seeing God move so dramatically by, by his word, um, we see in verse 19 that Ahab then goes, tells Jezebel, look, you know, this is what Elijah did, blah, 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 blah. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah. Again, we talked about this last week at the end of the, the Bible study. It's interesting that she sent a messenger to tell him, I'm going to kill you. Why not just send someone to kill him? Uh, I think that, um, you know, certainly Satan knew that he would have to get into Elijah's head ahead of time. You didn't just walk up to these prophets and just take them on as we've seen and we will see. Uh, these prophets were pretty powerful people and you didn't mess with them and they weren't so easy to take on. So she didn't send somebody to kill him but just said, go tell someone, go tell him I'm going to kill him. It got into his head, it freaks him out. Verse 3 says Elijah was afraid. Afraid? You're afraid of the lady? You just took on 450 prophets of Baal and wiped them all out and had this incredible and confronted Ahab and you did all this. But he's afraid of the lady. This is how scary ladies can be. Anyway, this one certainly was. Jezebel, nasty, nasty lady. So he was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there so, you know, now he just wants to be by himself, which is uh, what people will do when they start really feeling sorry for themselves, when they really start feeling down. Oftentimes they just want to be left alone. He is now spiraling into a fit of despair and depression. Uh, for those of you who struggle with depression, at least you can't feel terribly bad because you're in pretty good company because here's an amazing man of God. After all the miracles God has done and he has seen, what does he do? He gets depressed, wants to be by himself. So while he himself went a day's journey into the desert and he came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. Now that's bad, okay? Pray God help me. Pray God encourage me. Pray God protect me. This guy has seen God do stuff like, holy cow, you and I pay big money to see. And now his prayer is, God, let me die. God, just kill me. He is really bummed. This is what happens when you let the enemy get into your head. And uh, why you want to keep uh, these thoughts at bay. Um, you know, I've, most of you know a lot of the stuff that we've been going through here at the church and, uh, some of the attacks that we've, we've been going through. And uh, God has been very faithful in keeping us encouraged. I got to tell you, after Sunday service, I've, I have never, since the day I've been here, had such an outpouring of love and support and emails and texts. And some of y'all text me. I don't know how you got my phone number. <laughs> 
don't even know who you are. All I see is a phone number pops up. Hey, I really appreciate it. You know, um, you know, if you're texting me, let me know who you are. But uh, just encouragement, it's, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. And I'm so glad that we just came forward and started sharing these things because then you stop the thoughts of the enemy. If the enemy can get into your head and get you doubting, get you questioning stuff, it bums you out. And uh, best that uh, the truth come out, the truth shall set you free, Jesus said. So anyway, he's bummed out. He prays that he might die. Here's what he prays. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. So he's totally depressed. He prays God, does why go on? Kill me. And then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Um, you know, because he'd been traveling so much, was he tired? Actually, who knows what the scenario was there. One of the signs of being depressed is you get very tired. Depressed people do a lot of sleeping. They don't have energy. It sucks the life out of you. It literally sucks the life. It's, it's very, very uh, uh, difficult to deal with. And this is where this incredible prophet is. Again, seriously, me, I think, of course you know me, <laughs> I just have a day like I just had with these prophets. Man, I'm on cloud nine. I am the man. You know, look out, I'm going to call down fire on y'all. You know, I'm going to be so encouraged. Don't mess with me. God is on my side. I still have a hard time grasping why he got so depressed after such, such an incredible experience in his life. Anyway, so she, he lays out another tree. He falls asleep. And then all, of it, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. Bread and water. Not exactly steak and potatoes, but it's food. And uh, so he eats it, and he drinks, and again, he's depressed. He lays down again. Not off. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. So the angel is sending him on a journey in response to his prayer that God kill me. Okay? So how do you know that? Well, we'll see in just a second. So, I mean, he, he knew the angel was basically going to send him on this trip. And it's a long trip. And this is food for him to eat. Brought to him by an angel. Probably angel food cake. I don't know. Some kind of food. But there's, it's, there's special food to this. Because this meal he's about to eat gives him enough energy that he can travel nonstop for 40 days and 40 nights and not feel hungry again and not need more energy. It's quite amazing. So he got up and he ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Now you would think, 40 days and 40 nights, you really got a lot of time to reflect on your life, maybe get your perspective back and stuff. But even after this extended period of time, he was still struggling. Without a doubt, when you start struggling and spiraling down, it's hard to pull up. 
And, uh, and let me encourage you, unless you happen to be a prophet that God speaks to and you can call fire out of heaven uh, and angels wake you up and give you special angel food bread, uh, you know, don't try and do stuff on your own. Get some help. Reach out to people around you. If you're really carrying heavy burdens, if you're struggling in life, uh, get the help that you need. Some of you, if you really are even clinically depressed, some of you need to go to a doctor. Get the meds. Do whatever you got to do to pull out of the thing. But uh, um, if you're really struggling in life, reach out to people. Christianity was never intended to be a solo endeavor. We are not islands all by ourselves. We need people. We need the church. That's the power of the church. A lot of people are very quick to distance themselves from churches Say, I don't need church. I got God. I got God. I, I can do it on my own. Bad idea. The devil loves it, by the way, when you do that. Because Satan's greatest fear is when people of faith come together and lock arm in arm and really get on the same page and, and decide we're going to intentionally love each other and serve God because that he just it's his greatest fear. That's why he works so hard to get Christians going at each other. Like Paul said, so they devour each other, eat each other alive. Christians, Christians do this to each other. Unless we stop and identify and say, no, stop, no mas. We're not going to do this. We're not going to argue. We're not going to fight. We're not going to get all bitter, nasty, and ugly with each other. We just want to get on the same page and move forward. Satan's greatest fear. So let me encourage you, don't, don't try to be an Elijah in your own personal life. But this is what he did. He goes into the cave. He spends the night. And then the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and God asks him what are you doing here Elijah now I always find it fascinating God asks questions like this I mean I've got a pretty good guess God knew why he was there how many of you think God probably knew why he was there why would he ask a question like that you know um, like uh in Genesis, way back in Genesis, you know, he'd ask Adam and Eve, what happened? You know, what happened? What did you do? Well, do you think God didn't know? Of course he knew. Uh, he wanted them to say it. Oftentimes, God wants us to start talking so that we can be honest and open and let out what's bottled up on the inside. Again, if you're personally talking to God in miracles and angels showing up, then fine. Unless you've got that, that's the importance of the church. You need to be connecting with people that you can talk to. It's healthy to talk these things out and to hear instruction back. So anyway, um, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now remember, he's here because in answer to the fact that he was bummed out and depressed, which is what we find out now. He says, well, I'm here because I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Indeed, he has been. He's shut up the heavens for three, three and a half years. He's confronted the prophets of Baal. He killed a whole lot of them. Uh, you know, called water back into the land. I mean, this is probably a pretty pro po powerful prophet. He, you know, prays for the lady. She never runs out of oil or, 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 or food. Uh, raises her son from the dead. This is not, you know, your typical low-key guy. This is a powerful man of God. Indeed, he has been very zealous for the Lord. And he says... But he's bummed out because the Israelites have broken, has rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. 
Well, the truth is he's not the only one left. You know, there were uh, references to other prophets around and, uh, you know, but when you get bummed out, you feel like you are the only guy there. I'm the only one hanging in there. I'm the only one who sees it. I'm the only one who can make it. And uh, so that's why he says, that's why I'm here. I've been zealous. Things have gone wrong. Things aren't working the way I thought it would be. Now they're trying to kill me. I'm the only guy left. I just want to die. Well, the Lord says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. So he's supposed to go out there and he says, God is going to come by uh, so that you can uh, be encouraged. So here he goes out there and uh, he's uh, waiting for God to show up. And even though he said go out and stand in the mountain, he's still just sitting in the cave. Okay? Then all of a sudden a great and mighty wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. So here it comes. So he said, God's going to come by and this wind just comes whipping in and just ripping mountains up, rocks flying everywhere, things smashing. Can you imagine the intensity? Can you imagine the noise? I mean, wow! God's going to come. Here comes all this crashing. But the Lord was not in the wind. And Elijah knew it. Knew it. He just sat there waiting for God to show up. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Massive earthquake. Everything's shaken. And wow, surely this must be God. Now God has shown up. But he says the Lord was not in the earthquake. Elijah knew it. Didn't respond. It's just an earthquake. Then after that, the fire, uh, I'm sorry, uh, after the earthquake came, a fire, verse 12. So all of a sudden this boom, this hot fire comes crashing down and flames are going everywhere. Wow, now God must be there, right? But the Lord was not in the fire. And then after the fire came a gentle whisper. I mean, there's been a million sermons preached on this, uh, on this portion of Scripture. But uh, what an amazing thing. Here, here most of us would have been, we think God's going to show up. Man, I, I just the first thing with the wind and the rocks smashing, I think, wow, God's here. No. Earthquake, God must be here. No. Fire falls from heaven, God must be here. No. And then a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard, in verse 3, when he heard the gentle whisper, he pulled his cloak over his face. And then he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Why? Because he knew, here's God. Here's God. Now, is that to say that God is always in the still, small voice? No. Uh, God could have been in the wind, and I think if he was, Elijah would have sensed it and responded accordingly. But just the noise and big demonstration of the noise didn't necessarily mean God was there. I mean, there's a million sermons, just the analogies there, just because you make a lot of noise, screaming and shouting, hooting and hollering in church, doesn't necessarily mean God is there. Be it earthquakes or whatever dramatic thing. I've been in many, many meetings. Uh, I've, I've been more 
been more revival meetings than some of you have ever been in church over the last 40 years of my life and seen some of the wildest, craziest. Some of it's cool. Some of it's fun. I like the wild, praise God, going nuts kind of services. Uh, that appeals to my charismatic roots as I grew up. But just because you make a bunch of noise and hoot and holler and stand and sing a song for 10 hours or whatever, man, I've not 10 hours, but I've literally sat at the keyboards and played nonstop for at least three hours nonstop. I got to tell you what that does to your hands. Owie! Just because of extended worship service. Everybody just, you know, a lot of people, there's charismatics, you know, they always think, if you got to sing forever, that's when God shows up. If you, you know, every once in a while I still hear people say, you know, uh, the problem at Celebration Church is uh, we don't let God show up because we only sing for 20 minutes. Hey, God can show up whether you sing or not. All right, just because you sing a long time or yell or hoot or holler or whatever doesn't necessarily mean God is in. He can be, but God is in something when he's in something. And he could have been in the wind, he wasn't. Could have been in the earthquake, he wasn't. Could have been in the fire, he wasn't. Elijah knew it. And in this particular case, he was in a small, gentle whisper. And right away, Elijah recognized it because he knew God. And he knew the presence of God. Moral of the story is God can show up in so many different ways. Oftentimes, God will show up in your life in a way that you just are not expecting. Let's face it. God will show up. And the problem with us, a lot of us, is uh, we pray and pray and pray and pray, and we want God to show up in a particular fashion. We literally pray out or speak out the kind of way that we want God to answer, and I think that's fine, but... Amen. Be listening. Don't miss God because it doesn't come the way you think it will come. Don't miss God because it doesn't look like the way you think it should look like. We've talked about this a couple of weeks ago when, when God says to Elijah, hey, go, I've told the widow to take care of you. He gets there. The widow doesn't know anything about it. Hello, God, what are you talking about? She's going to take care of me. Well, it just looked different than he thought because at the end of the day, the widow did take care of him. It's just that he assumed, I'm sure it would have been easy. We would have assumed, we don't know what he assumed, we would have assumed that if God says, hey, I commanded someone to take care of you, you'd walk in and they would say, hey, there you are, God told me you're there and, and I'm ready to take care of you. Well, that's, that's not how it happens all the time. Don't, don't come to God with preconceived notions that he has to answer your prayer in a way that you are expecting him to answer the prayer. Um, oftentimes, God will move in ways that are totally unexpected in our lives. And I think he does this on purpose, to mess with our heads, to get, you know, he's not going to allow himself to be put in a box so you can figure him out. So you figure he's totally predictable, you know. Some of you <clears throat> might pray a prayer like, God, I, I want you to bless my life and help me succeed. And three weeks later, you lose your job. Well, hello, I'm pretty sure when you pray, God, use my life, help me to succeed, you aren't thinking losing job. Losing job would mean the other direction. I'm looking to go up, things are going down. Oftentimes people get frustrated and bitter and angry at God and give up hope. But what happens if God wants to bless you financially, but he wants you to go somewhere else? You know how you wind up doing that? You lose your job. You know how many people, 
And by the way, this might be some encouragement for some of you who have been struggling financially and stuff and maybe lost a job or whatever. Oftentimes you'll talk to people down the road later and say, you know, as, as bad as that was, it turned out to be an incredible blessing in my life. It turned out to be one of the best things that could have happened to me because I then got a position here or I, I found a, uh, uh, you know, an investment opportunity here or I started my own business or whatever and I really succeeded, might be in real estate, but whatever. And they would have never gotten there if God would have answered the prayer that way they were expecting God to answer the prayer. Certainly this is true in my life. You know, I, I prayed when I had my own business years ago. I mean, I, I, I initially was in ministry in my early 20s until I got about 30 years of age, and then I got out of ministry. I was, it was a drag. I hated it. it was, nothing was working. Nobody wanted to listen to anything I said. Nobody was impressed with any of my thoughts at 29. I can't imagine why not. And I got, I got frustrated, so I, I just got out. It just wasn't working for me. And I stayed involved in the church. You know, I kept working and playing in the music ministry and stuff like that. But I got my own business, and I worked my business very hard. Blood, sweat, and tears went through hell. I would not wish on anybody I know, friend or foe, to go what, through what we went through in those early years of building that business. It was horrible. But finally, things were coming together, and life is good. We have our, our finally uh, our own home, and it's a nice home, and and nice cars, and I got my own airplane, and things are going great, and I'm praying, you know, God, use me. Use me in, in a mighty way. And, and then my life started going to the toilet. My business started crashing and burning. Every opportunity I thought that was going to be a good opportunity was shutting down, and I could see it coming. We were headed for trouble. And I think, man, you, I tell you, you have no idea how many. I would love to have the prayers back. I would love to have the prayers I prayed that God would bless my business back so I could have used it for something else. I mean, I put in more prayers. There's no way God could not have heard me praying about blessing my business because I was, you know, God bless. But see, I thought the way God could use me is to so bless my business that through my financial prosperity, that I could now have the freedom to speak into people's lives. Whatever. I didn't know. I don't know what's going on. All I know is I'm praying, God, use me, make me usable work in my life, and everything's going to the toilet. I finally looked at my wife and said, I don't know what we're going to do. And she looked at me. I said, I probably ought, to, probably ought to see if there's some place in ministry where I can get back in. I mean, here we've been doing so well, and all of a sudden it all just shut off on us. And, you know, we'd been through ministry. Her idea of me moving off somewhere with her to go back into ministry was just a total bummer of an idea. But because of all those circumstances, we wound up back here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and became part of the church here, and the rest is history. And God has completely changed our lives. Did he answer my prayer? Yes. Did it look like I thought it was going to look? <laughs> no. It looked horrible. But don't lose heart. Sometimes God's in the earthquake. Sometimes God's in the fire. Sometimes God's in the wind. But 
a lot of times it's different than what you'd think. And God, in this case, was in the still small voice. And then he comes out when he hears God. And then the voice says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Hello, I thought we just had this conversation. And he repeats again. I've been very zealous for the Lord God. Almighty. By the way, isn't it interesting uh, how, how sometimes God will repeat himself? Even Jesus, when he was talking to Peter after he had uh, been raised from the dead, he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? He says, oh, Lord, you know I love you. Waits a little bit while, and Jesus says, hey, Peter, yeah, Lord, do you love me? Lord, I, I told you, I, I love you. I mean, obviously, I love you. I'm very committed to you. And a little bit while goes by, and Jesus says, Hey, Peter. Yes, Lord. He says, Do you love me? And the Bible says it really bummed Peter. I says, Lord, you know I love you. It just, it distressed him. Why would God keep asking us the same question? Why does God sometimes take us through the same trial and test over and over and over again. Anybody been there before? Because sometimes we just don't get it the first time, second time, third time. Someone takes us 20, 30, 40 times before we start to get it. And you know what? God is extremely patient. He will wait you out. I love people. I get such a kick out of people. They're just resisting God in their lives, like they're going to wear God out. God's trying to speak to you about something. You're fighting God. How many times I've heard people say, you know, I was fighting God. Some of you listening right now, you know, there's been times in your life when you were fighting God. Do you have any idea how stupid that sounds? I am fighting God. God wants me to do something, but I don't want to. Who do you think is going to win if you're fighting God? Who do you think is going <laughs> to last out the longest if you don't want to do something that God wants you to do? Do you think God's up there going, oh, I hope they give in soon because I can't take much more of this? You think God is worth, man, he will wait you out, dude. He'll wait you out till the day you drop over and keel over in the grave. Don't try to have a staring contest with God. You're going to lose. Give in already. Let God do what he wants to do in your life. So God asked him again, what are you doing here? He's so he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. And I'm the only one left now to try to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. What? What I'm trying to tell you here, I'm bombed. I'm trying to tell you here, my life sucks. I'm trying to tell you everything's horrible and I need to die. God goes, yeah, okay, yeah, I heard this already. Now go back the way you came. When you get over to, to uh, the Hazel, you know, over Aaron, anoint him king. And, and then uh, also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And uh, along the way, you're going to meet this guy named Elisha the son of Shapheth from Abel, Melalah, whatever, to succeed you as prophet. <laughs> In other words, God just said, yeah, yeah, you're depressed, I get it. Go to work! Get off your butt and start moving. I got stuff for you to do. God, at this point, doesn't even answer him. 
I'm the only one left. I'm going to die. Things are horrible. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Go out there and do all the stuff I want you to do. He says, Jehu will put to death any who escaped by the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped by the sword of Jehu. This will make sense a little bit later. Right now he's speaking about stuff like, I don't know what God's talking about, but we see this king uh, a few chapters down the road here. And then he finally says to Elijah, oh, by the way, Mr. I'm the only one left and I'm going to die. I reserve 7,000 in Israel who have not bow, whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So, Mr. Boo-hoo, I'm the only one left. Get off your butt. Get back to work. I got stuff I want you to do. And by the way, there are 7,000 people in Israel who have never bowed down to worship Baal or kiss the altar. You ain't the only one. And Elijah gets up. He goes back to work. Starts to do what God called him to do. And then we find out what happens to Elijah. And he's going to meet Elisha, who's going to succeed him as prophet. Fascinating things that are still coming. This, this is some of the richest parts of, of the Old Testament. Of course, we always slow down over the really good stuff and kind of speed over some of the stuff that doesn't really make a lot of sense of us today. So we will pick it up again next week and continue now to see Elijah gets off the pity potty and starts to move forward and starts to do what God called him to do. And, uh, and then eventually find out what happens to Elijah, which is some pretty fascinating stuff, stuff that will actually take us into the book of Revelation. We'll take a look at there and some kind of end time stuff. It'll be, it'll be fun. You're going to dig this. This is, this is some, some great stuff here. So anyway, that's enough for tonight. Uh, we'll open up for some questions so you guys can ask questions about, uh, about this message, some of the truths that we've been talking about and get a conversation going with your campus pastor. God bless. See you next Wednesday.